0: Welcome to Bespin Ice Cream Stand, the podcast where we mine Star Wars knowledge instead of Tabana gas. My name is Josh O'Rourke, and with me as always, both Hunter and Prey, Bennett Campbell Ferguson.
1: I'm really ashamed to say this as a Star Wars fan, but I actually don't know what that's a reference to.
0: (laughs) I'm glad. It it took me some Googling. I I thought I wanted to do a Mandalorian nod. And I was like, what's like a good Mandalorian thing? And um, the armorer mentions it. She says, uh, you're both hunter and prey in reference to to the besker and how everybody is going to be looking for that because it's such a precious thing. I love
1: that. I love that. I need to go back and rewatch the Mandalorian now so I can (laughs) win back some lost geek points.
0: Today's episode is more of a mini episode. For season one, we plan on tackling a main Star Wars episode one through nine every other week. In between each of these episodes, we plan on releasing a podcast on the latest Star Wars news and discussion. Sort of a mini-episode, with apologies to Paul Shear and how did this get made. Um, so, I think the big topic today is uh, Gina Carano, who plays Cara Dune in The Mandalorian. So, she was fired last week, uh, in short, for being a shitty person. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I know they're, they're, that some people might, might have a different take on it, but... Uh, She was essentially tweeting some pretty awful stuff, uh, culminating in her comparing being a Republican to being a Jew in the Holocaust, (laughs) which I I don't even need to argue with. But I went on Reddit and I thought, well, I wonder what people are saying about this. And people are saying she wasn't (laughs) anti-Semitic, which uh, just blew me away because are you kidding me? Yeah. Uh, Anything that diminishes something as atrocious and horrific as... The Holocaust uh, is absolutely anti Semitic. And, you know, I think episode two, we're already starting heavy, but that, that's completely unacceptable in any fandom, in any universe. But, uh, you know, we're going to stop talking about her after this episode uh, because we don't tolerate bigotry, racism, genocide, sexism, anti LGBTQ attitudes. For us, it's not that freedom of speech is being trampled on. It's just if you're a shitty person with shitty views, it's not a free speech issue at all.
1: Period. Yeah. I mean, I I absolutely agree. And I think that free speech does not, you know, give you the right um, as a person to put hate speech out there. And that's what she was doing. I mean, the stuff she was putting out there was anti-semitic it was transphobic it was uh she was spreading you know misinformation and conspiracy theories which she was tweeting like anti-mask stuff which obviously is just factually wrong it's just a cold hard fact that you know wearing masks saves lives you know during this pandemic we're in the middle of and as a star wars fan you know i have to believe in redemption, because that's very much a core value of Star Wars. And I I hoped for a while that she would redeem herself, that she would, you know, see that what she was doing and what she was saying was incredibly wrong and hurtful. But she just kept doing this stuff over and over again. And we now have this article from The Hollywood Reporter that looks into her firing, looks into this. Turns out she was warned uh, by Lucasfilm multiple times multiple times, you know, Pedro Pascal you know, even talked to her about her uh, transphobia and this just kept yeah, happening that. over and over again. She was, did not show a willingness to change and I know in these situations a lot of people bring up other uh, kind of, you know, Disney social media scandals like James Gunn getting fired from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 and that getting rehired and some people may think there's a double standard going on there. There's not, in my opinion, because James Gunn actually consistently showed remorse and consistently sh- showed that, you know, he was willing to, to change and grow and, and saw that what he had done and said was absolutely wrong. But, and, of course, you know, James did, did tweet a lot of really horrible stuff. I mean, he was joking about pedophilia, among other things. But I think the difference between him and Gina Carano is again, it, it was a decade ago with Gun, and he, you know, knew he'd known for a long time, in fact, that what he had done was wrong. And the apology he made when, you know, a lot of this stuff was resurfaced, that was not the first apology. And in, in fact, that was just a reiteration. Whereas Gina karana was, you know, doing this insane, you know, hurtful stuff right up until the last possible minute. And you know, I, I personally, I love you know Cara Dune. I really like gina carano's performance i thought that was a really interesting character but at a certain point you got to say accountability is greater than entertainment and not only i think do you have to fire gina carano because of what she did and because what she was wrong but because if you don't fire her then you're not being true to the values of star wars because i think from the very beginning star wars has tried to you know Trump at the values of uh, interconnectivity and intolerance I mean return of the jedi is all about you know this sort of multicultural coalition teaming up against the empire run by the white british guys so you know <laughs> you you have to be you have to be true to that you have to fire Carano and move forward i think it was the only thing to be done frankly yeah, completely
0: agree. Uh, completely agree. I, I think, um, I don't want to spend too much more time on the issue, but but I do think that people like to compare apples and oranges to this, and they're trying to make it seem like being right-wing is somehow akin to like religious freedom or something like that. And, um, you know, it, it doesn't matter what side of the political spectrum you're on, this is just uh, um, a bigot being called a bigot. And, and having repercussions, and I think for the past you know four years, seeing a president that didn't have uh, repercussions and didn't show any remorse uh, has created a really toxic environment, and uh, you know in the United States and abroad. Um, so I, I'm hoping we can you know turn the page and uh, move on from this, having learned something.
1: Yeah, and I just want to briefly add too, in that vein, it's not really. An issue of conservative versus liberal—it's, you know, an instance of I think you know truth versus lies and tolerance versus bigotry, and anyone who thinks that you know, you and I, you know, oh Josh and Ben, the the crazy leftists—they just hate all conservatives. You know, well, you know, as our listeners know, you know, we're both uh, we've both been working on a podcast about the. Spider-Man trilogy and Sam Raimi, at least at, at the, I don't know what his political beliefs are, you know, as of now, but back when he was making those films, he was a George Bush supporter. So, you know, and, and we, we love Sam Raimi and think he's a great director. So it's, it's not a matter of conservative versus liberal Totally separate issues. No, and it, it's so
0: easy to just put a label. Oh, you're a liberal. Oh, you're a conservative. Um, and, and I hope we can move away from that to some degree. But uh, I don't know. I'm pessimistic sometimes. Totally. Well, I mean, moving on from that, uh, they announced last month that Mandalorian Season 3 begins filming on April 5th. I'm curious what you think is going
1: to happen to the Cara Dune character. Or uh, what should happen. I think the The easiest thing is just to move on and do nothing with that character. Frankly, just say she's off on God. What was the name of the planet that she was a marshal on? Oh God,
0: I don't know. Oliphant's planet. <laughs> it's named after the great Timothy Oliphant.
1: Just, just say that she's a uh, you know having having a good time there with with Carl Weathers and. And that can be, you know, Cara Dune's happy ending. And I think anyway, the Mandalorian was kind of moving away from that stuff and that plot line anyway, because with the Dark Saber and Bo-Katan at the end of season two, clearly what we're setting up is, you know, going back to Mandalore and presumably Din Djarin being, since he has the Dark Saber now, possibly being the one who's going to, lead the reclaiming of Mandalor, or maybe going to have some either conflict or collaboration with bokatan obviously we're, we're getting away from kind of the core of the show which was this mando baby yoda relationship or, or mando grogu relationship excuse me
0: <laughs> <laughs> way different i i yeah i, I don't like it, it's weird that baby yoda has a name it makes it too real No, I I mean, for me, I think yeah, I think Cara Dune should just completely disappear. I don't think they should even mention it unless it's relevant to the plot, because she only popped in and out of episodes here and there anyway. Yeah, it wasn't like she was on the ship with him or whatever. Yeah. So, um, I I also think a similar character could turn up. I mean, Bill Burr's character could take care of the you know badass rebel or whatever, or uh, bring back Timothy uh, Oliphant. I loved his character.
1: He was awesome. Uh, or yeah. you know, we can Love just the
0: introduce, they can introduce some you know new characters here and there. But I think you're right. They're kind of moving away from it, and and maybe that character wasn't going to be a huge part of it anyway. Yeah. So uh, I think there's going to be an elegant way that they can sort of just uh, be rid of the character, and then like they talked about, if they needed to recast, they could. Sounds like they're not going to, uh, at least right now.
1: The great thing about The Mandalorian is that aside from Pedro Pascal, you don't exactly have season regulars because you just have this one guy who's traveling around the galaxy, and sometimes he comes into contact with familiar faces, and sometimes he doesn't. So it, doesn't. So it relieves the pressure of saying, oh, we have to weave every single main character into every single episode. You, you don't have to do that because it's more like a a western with the gunslinger going from town to town and meeting all these different people like for instance you talked about bill burr he came back in season two and it was great when he came back he became arguably a more nuanced character but he didn't have to come back that could have been some other character you have a lot of Mm -hmm. flexibility so even if you know gina carano had been able to come back there's no reason why Kara Dune has to show up in every season. It's not like, oh, the Mandalorian's incomplete. It's like, no, it, it would only be incomplete if you didn't have Pedro Pascal. You could, as far as I'm concerned, start completely fresh the next season if you really want to. Although I don't know how you'd do it without Bo-Katan and the other Mandalorians because obviously that's like the long plan.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, think, I think that uh, the whole Mandalore plot is, is the next move. Uh, I think we're not going to see Grogu too much until the end. I think we'll see one more Luke Skywalker scene, and then uh, that's going to be it, I think, for Luke Skywalker. Or at least that's that's how you do it without being too cloying or too um, nostalgic or nostalgia-focused. Yeah. You know, because I don't want to see CG Luke. I just want to see him one more time, kick some ass for one minute, and then, you know, that, that's that. And then let The Mandalorian be its own thing. Yes, uh, moving on to comic news, Marvel announced War of the Bounty Hunters. It's a new five-part series that's releasing in June, focusing on Boba Fett between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi when he's delivering Han to J- uh, to Jabba in Carbonite, obviously. Uh, apparently it starts with Fett not having the Carbonite for some reason or another. He gets uh, tangled in some sort of underworld and... Uh, you know, presumably we uh, we find out what he, what happens on, in this in between thing. Um, I'm a big fan of Shadows of the Empire and that sort of uh, era uh, between uh, you know Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, so it seems like it's like right in the middle of that world. Uh, plus, Marvel's focusing quite a bit on other post Empire Strikes Back, pre Return of the Jedi storylines, including uh, Bounty Hunters, Darth Vader, and also the newer uh, Doctor Aphra. So uh, I say bring back Dash Rindar and let's get that Shadows of the Empire movie made.
1: Yes, absolutely. I, I feel that the period between Empire and Jedi is a really interesting point in Star Wars history. I mean, to a certain extent, to me, the whole War of the Bounty Hunters thing is actually kind of funny because this is covering territory that you and I have seen covered in the expanded universe again and again. I mean, in the old Marvel comics from the uh early 80s this same kind of thing was cover where mm-hmm. they dragged out you know boba's journey to tattooing and java as long as possible so you could have a lot of shenanigans along the way and you know luke and lando and leia and chewie trying to get han back so a lot of this stuff is kind of familiar i hope it's cool i hope they do it well this time i would love to see some shadows of the empire stuff kind of reincorporated into the current continuity and also, just as a side note, I would really like to see more Luke-focused stories between Empire and mm-hmm. Jedi, because I just think that's a really interesting period when in his life when he's found out that Vader is his father, but he doesn't know for sure if it's true yet. So he's, he's questioning himself. He's questioning what his fate and future are going to be, his destiny. I feel like I haven't read something that tells that story fully yet yeah, maybe there's something out there so i'd be curious to i see mean more of that. the
0: only thing i can think of and 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 i think the dark horse comics also sort of delved into it in the 90s when they were putting out spinoff after spinoff but um it's been years since i've read shadows of the empire and um they do focus on luke and that here and there uh, and i think they like talk about him making his green lightsaber and yeah like that, that. i remember that so, yeah Yeah, I think I need to – maybe we can uh, devote an episode to that because I I definitely want to finish playing the 64 game again. I'm stuck on the same level, but uh, I'm going (laughs) to read it eventually. Uh, (laughs) And I'd love to read the book. And the soundtrack was just released on vinyl uh, last year. And so I've heard it's kind of a crappy pressing, but I still got to (laughs) have it, of course. (laughs) Uh, And then the last news item today – the Star Wars Insider fan magazine just released its 200th issue. Um, So I sort of read about the history of that. Uh, It started in 87 as as the Lucasfilm fan club. And anyone who knows, you know, Insider knows it was the go-to source for Star Wars news uh, before the internet. I remember reading it in the 90s before Phantom Menace came out. They had, like, exclusive photos. They had an audience with the queen where they just... Interviewed Natalie Portman, <laughs> but you know, twelve-year-olds ate it up, and I certainly did. It was the perfect pre-movie hype. It was completely propaganda, but like the best kind. It was like Nintendo Power in in, in its heyday, where they're promoting a product that fans were rabid about. But there, there was sort of a, a relationship with the uh, with the audience. The, the people who wrote it also were as nerdy as the people reading it. And so, uh, at least in the '90s, the Star Wars Insider magazine was my thing and I I believe you have a similar experience
1: yeah absolutely I Star Wars Insider was such a huge huge part of my childhood and the time when I was really reading it and collecting it seriously was right in the lead up to Revenge of the Sith and I remember they had those prequel updates where Rick McCallum the who produced the prequels would come in every issue and he would give us all these behind the scenes nuggets and there were be cool behind-the-scenes shots. Sometimes it was just blue screen, and then as it started getting to the movie's release, you were seeing shots, and the the caption was no longer photo by whoever. It would be digital work by ILM, and you know, oh, my God, that's a photo that's actually going to be in the movie. Whoa, there's Yoda with his lightsaber. It was just like a great, pure nerd fest, and it was interesting. Like It changed publishers from... Time to time, the the time when I was really collecting, I think the company uh, that was doing it was like called like IDG magazines or something like that, and it was uh, edited back then by a guy named Brett Rector, and his uh, his little letters from the editor at the beginning were always one of my favorite parts in the magazine. I remember him talking about you know just his relationship with Star Wars, seeing Star Wars with his dad. You know there were all kinds of great. Personal stories in Star Wars Insider. There was Bantha Tracks, which was a great kind of back section full of fan stuff. You know, stuff like envelope art. You'd see someone who'd sent the magazine an envelope with like a beautiful, beautiful picture mm-hmm. of Boba Fett on it. It was just a really, really a fun, fun magazine. And also, I remember one of my favorite things was the uh, the the Q and A section and i remember the first issue i ever got the first question was is luke the chosen one or is anakin and this was the kind of stuff i really geeked mm. out on back then <laughs> i love star wars insider i haven't bought it or read it in years but it still holds a special place in my heart i still read old issues of it you <laughs> know i love it so much so yeah I'm, I'm happy for them that they made it to 200 that's I, I i can't believe it honestly but it's super cool they said print media yes. was dead.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, I, actually, last night, I was hovering over the subscribe button. They had a special for a year subscription. I thought, I, I don't think I need this, but I really, really want it. So uh, I might actually subscribe just to relive the magic. I suspect I'm going to
1: read it and be really upset. <laughs> <for> it, though. <laughs> yeah, and like you said, I mean, it is propaganda too and when you're younger that doesn't seem like as much of a problem and but when you're older it's like well i don't know i might like to see a sort of section about the latest star wars controversy or some dirt on you know listen to this crazy thing that happened behind the scenes on the sequel trilogy you know
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. I want Star Wars dirt. Yes. Let's make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it for us for this week. Uh, next week, we're delving into Attack of the Clones. You can get in touch with us at Pod at gmail.com. Find me on Twitter at IamJoshO85. Bin can be found on Twitter at Bennett two N's, two T's as well as THO movie reviews at tho movie Also, we occasionally appear on the Spidey Scenes podcast where Ben delves into Sam Raimi's Spider-Man trilogy. That's all for us. Have a great week and force will be with you always.